Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. This guy, he went about his business pretty quietly, but we could be pretty confident he'd produce the business again. See, that's what he did. A consistency and level of performance that was the envy of his peers and supporters. A wonderful example of all things good about rugby league. But who is Jason Nightingale? Yes, so odd, different question, uh, odd, different person. Um, I'm a gypsy. I am a gypsy. I think I adapted to that that uh, that nickname. Um, yeah, sort of product of, of uh, came from and, and how I was raised and uh, yeah I suppose it applied that to most most areas of my life um, I suppose big thing uh, the, the who are you question um, especially when asked to athletes it's, it's important to think of it without your jersey and um, have a pleasure of uh, setting up a business school and education school with my business partner and um, one of those uh core lessons we try and do is uh, who are you, what are your values? So that, that very much who are you is, yeah. is is part of your values outside of the jersey. And um, for myself, I, I, I guide myself by um, the values of, of growth, balance, connectedness, um, and love. Uh, love ties all that together. So I sort of feel like if I'm if I'm guided by those those things in my life, I can make the right decisions and and figure out who I am outside of that. Um, but yeah, essentially on the, on the service, I'm uh, very gypsy-like and adaptable and um, friendly, I suppose, and um, competitive and, and all those things as well. So I think that's important to know um, what your core values are and, and um, how to use them to make decisions in your life. You've always appeared to me as a very grounded guy. As you said, you're aware of your core values. How much have your core values changed over the journey? Um. I suppose little things change all the time with, with um, you know, sort of life events and, and uh, transition of careers and having children and getting married and those sort of things. So um, probably just the way you perspective on life, I think, I think changes a lot. Um, yeah, so you, I think you, you, you gain a bigger, better understanding of, of your skills that you have and how they transition, how, how they work in the, in the real world especially. Um, and what don't work, and then how, how do you 
how do you manage your, your weaknesses and try and what which ones do you work on and which ones do you just accept? So, um, yeah, they, they change with with life. When you get older, you get more mature. Um, yeah, you have kids and sort of think think a bit differently differently about the world. I suppose all those sort of things go into um, you making you person you are and sort of what you're trying to be as well. As a footballer, I always judged you as a complete professional. That's how I see you and have seen you over the journey. But more importantly than what I think, that's how you were judged by your teammates and your rivals. That's a, a really nice rap, I'd imagine, a nice way to be remembered as a footballer. Yeah, it is, it is really nice. I think that, that certainly didn't – I wasn't born with that. Um, that was very much a learnt, learnt thing when it, comes to, when it came to my football career and um, yeah, the professionalism was something I learned from others. I think this big, big thing for myself is mentors and leaders and those that are around you and, and those that, that really help you on, on your way um, are what you know, I had a really good um, professional bunch of, of people when I was coming through and Dean Young and Benny Cray and Mark Gaznier and, and, and these guys that really attacked um, the footy field, attacked the training paddock. And, and I certainly didn't. I also had um, Brett, Brett Morris, who was the same age as me and, and, and had a more professional approach. Um, so I suppose learning from those guys and, and, and figuring out it's, it's, it's the only way to be. And, and I definitely didn't have that at 17, 18 and 19. So yeah, definitely a developed skill of professionalism and, um, more not, not, um, not strict professionalism is, is in my approach, but more, um, energy, uh, uh, the way that, approach the sessions were making sure that um, you at least throwing everything at it. A career that started in 2007 went through to 2018. It was also a period where the way a winger played the game changed dramatically, but also the physical attributes a winger possessed changed dramatically, didn't they? Yeah, I think they, they um, yeah opened up uh, so quarter posts and those sort of things, um, but also the game sped up a lot um, and the onus on the back of the field, uh, effectiveness, whether that be breaking tackles, making metres um, or finding quick play the balls, all those sort of things um, added, added to the mix and, and created extra responsibility of the old. The, the No longer was it just the, the on the end of the line. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that sort of started to happen in early 2000s and continued through the start of my career. You're 183 centimetres, a playing weight, depending on lunch, of about 91 kilos. So you're not a small fella, but comparatively late in your career, you'd end up getting dwarfed by opponents. Was size the biggest change you saw across your journey? No, I, th- I think so. It, it sort of There were still big wingers and the small wingers as well today, and it did, it did change a little bit with probably just the generation of guys that we had. It's not so much these days. There's a few really huge wingers but there's still a lot of small smaller sort of wingers so I think it was more um, defensive structures and, and the way you attack the way you defuse kicks and, and, and some things that changed through that point um, definitely your approach to the back of the field had, had had to a lot of change you look at you know Penrith at the moment their, their back five really lead the way in, in, in how they set up their sets so I think that transition of um, just finishing tries to um, Perhaps having a bit of workload, bigger workload back of the field, and then also stopping tries, whether that be fusing kicks or jumping on the end of, of a of a line to to stop a try. You see that happen so often, um, where wingers actually end up saving tries. So I think those those transitions probably more so than than physical attributes. Let's wind the clock back, mate. Uh, 
Tell us about the early years playing footy or, or your first memories of the game. Um, yeah, I sort of dragged down the park and renowned United um, when I was about seven years old. And um, yeah, just I just remember loving tackling at that point. Um, just yeah, just loved just running, chasing people down, and, and tackling and. Um, yeah, such a great experience. Just, just going to training and that. Where when you you're midweek, you just mm. what are you doing? And you kid with lots of energy and take you down the park and and then just run around. I just used to I remember pride myself on uh, topping a tackle count. Um, you, you know that 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 sort of thing. Where yeah, how many tackles did I make? It's like <laughs> a scoreboard scoreboard for success when when they're not counting uh, if you won or lost. So um, yeah, that, that, those sort of things. I remember that those memories a lot of. Um, yeah, mates that I played um, a couple of years, um, three or four years from now, and then um, a bit of grassroots rugby in New Zealand, then came back and yeah, sort of started a, a bit more of a serious journey after that. It was a famous junior club, as you said, renowned United. Were you the standout kid as a junior, or that wasn't you? No, that wasn't me. Um, yeah, I, I think I sort of made most of the junior rep teams, but not um, standout. I think I got a couple of couple of best and fairest, but not at the end of, not in my teenage years. So I wasn't winning like trophies, individual trophies in my teenage years, which is sort of when when it starts to, people are starting to watch. And um, yeah, that, that definitely was a sort of slowish, slowish ride through. I didn't really grow. I was sort of about 16, 17 when I, when I grew again. Um, so that, that sort of changes things a bit. And um, yeah, ended up having to, I was in 18s, uh, under 18s, which was the first year going to 20s. And um, I had a few of my teammates that played SG ball with, so under 18s with, who were already up playing in the 20s. And I had to train a trial for, for the 20s to make the, the Jersey flag team. Um, so, yeah, that, that was sort of slow. And I had a really good renowned United season that year. We won the under 18s comp. But um, still, I wasn't contracted and, and had to fight my way into... Um, the extended squad, essentially, at the start. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air Conditioning. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry, as well as dealing with some legendary blokes. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. That's griffinair.com.au. Round 8, 2007, Dragons, Panthers, Jubilee Oval. It was debut day. What do you recall of it? Um, yeah, it was funny. I was uh, laughing about it. The, we, we had the uh, Legends uh, walk with Benny Cray and Benny Hornby being on and that. And uh, on, on that day, uh, Benny Hornby passed me my first ever pass and I dropped it cold. And Benny Cray came up to me first thing. He said, don't worry, I, I dropped the first ball over, I got passed while I was on the wing playing thing during the game and it sort of set my mind at ease. So, um, yeah, Benny Hornby, perfect pass, straight to straight to the thing. I would, I'd already run and made a break, but um, then we got the ball. And, um, yeah, so that was that was my first ever touch in, in first grade. And, um, yeah, it was it was crazy to have that sort of – but I think that having that sort of like 
Benny Cray come and straight, say that straight away is don't worry about it because it happens. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, and then then second second touch, I think I dropped it again. And then third touch, Matty Cooper put me away down the sideline for a try and I'd forgotten everything beforehand. So, yeah, was was off celebrating like we like we'd won the game. You look comfortable immediately from debut. Not even 12 months later, you'd play the first of... 33 tests for New Zealand. What a test to debut in as well, the centenary test at the SCG. Does that still rank as a career highlight all these years later, the first time you wore your country's colours? Yeah, definitely. Um, my family were all living in New Zealand and I've got them to come across to Sydney. Um, when I think the combination of that, I think we talk about, you know, sort of debuting at Cogra in front of a lot of friends and, and family as well had come across for that. Um, but having that, that sort of, yeah, debut in sort of hometown for my country mm. in New Zealand was was pretty special. So I had a few relatives come across and, um, yeah, to be able to do that in the centenary test and we played a game where the SCG is full, it's, it's got a very different feel than, than um, every rugby league field really because it's a cricket crown, but also the history that you do you do absorb um, it is, is special when it's full. Um, and you know, there was a lot of, a lot of big build up to that. Um, and yeah, I suppose you get, you get taught. I think the best thing about that when when it's an historic occasion, it forces us and and, and rightly so to, to learn a bit about history and you know the history of rugby league and where it came across and and those things uh, really help put in perspective um, what what why we are so lucky to play the game we play and and. Um, yeah, I think that was another great occasion for that for, for myself. You mentioned history and learning because as, as young blokes, most of us are, are more interested in girls, we're more interested in beer and, 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 and being young men. But there's also a time where we, we start maturing and we start learning about who we are, where we've come from. How much did you learn about New Zealand, the history and the heritage of New Zealand just by being in camp that week with experienced guys? Uh, yeah, a lot. I think we had Sonny Bill in there and, and, and Benji was, even though he's only still playing and not that much older than me, but he'd been playing for a long time by then. So Roy Asatasi and those sort of guys. So you do learn a lot. Um, I had I, I learned a lot of my – I only went to school in New Zealand for two years, so I learned a lot of my Māori culture and, and New Zealand culture from from cousins and, and that. So he didn't talk, but I suppose how that applied to sport um, was different. Um, and then that that culture is is strong, and I think that the the cool uh, melting pot of the New Zealand rugby league team is is um, Polynesian, white. You know, even Sean Johnson obviously played there for a long time. He's got Asian culture. Is is, is all those and how it meshes and how it comes together. I really think um, New Zealand does a great job of of merging all those things and and in, in, into sport. So you know, we're respecting the, the Samoa and Tongan, Fijian, um, Maori why whatever it is the background so um i think learning a lot about how that worked in in sport was was really interesting and i loved um you know that 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 occasion those experiences and every time um i was lucky enough to get in camp with the kiwis an amazing time in new zealand rugby league mate the 08 world cup the win there an amazing tournament an amazing final but most importantly an amazing time of growth at the elite level in New Zealand. Yeah, um, it, it was. It was. It was pretty awesome. Um, we were. I think we had a really good changeover of, of, of sporting guard and, and that over there, and they really 
they upped their professionalism um, yeah. over in New Zealand Rugby League. And I think Jim Doyle took over and, and um, you know, Steve Kearney was coaching and, and yeah, Wayne was helping him as well. And he built a really good crew. Um, you know, had Knowles and those strength issues around that. But, um, yeah, I think that was the first time I really got a, a picture of how um, sport and business of sport work together. So so they Jim Doyle came across and he presented the the, the map and, and the plans of development, how they're going to improve the grassroots development, how they're going to uh, improve the commercial, and how that was going to, and how they were going to improve the on-field performance and, and essentially what was in it for us. So um, that was cool to see that, how the vision and picture, culture and everything we learned in sport, he really related it to business then. And uh, I think that really helped with the buy-in and, and we had a really golden period of growth. Um, and it was driven by smart heads, business, good people, good coaches and good mentors. As you mentioned, Steve was the coach, Wayne was the assistant. You'd go on to be coached at club level by Wayne just a couple of years later. What were your first impressions of old Clint Eastwood during that camp? Um, yeah, I... I it was very, uh, he's very warm and come and say hello. Obviously, he'd, I think he'd already signed with us by that year. And um, yeah, he sat me down and have a chat and asked me about the Dragons. And I, I still remember this that conversation um, when he asked me about whether whether he'd chosen to keep the right twin. <laughs> and I said, this <laughs> right twin was both of them. Um, so you, 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 it's almost like you, you can't win and can't lose. So you keep one and they'll be good, or you can lose. But, but ideally, you win. Win-win is keeping both. So I still remember that and then going, oh yeah. It's, but um, mate, some of the things and the questions he asked, the the direction he was given, the um, the way he expected us to compete at training, that was that was a really big opener. I think I was still sort of half trying, half not in two thousand and eight, and um. And, yeah, I think it was a really good, cool, lucky to get that insight. I think it was myself and Nathan Fed, I think, joined us that year, um, had that insight into what Wayne would be like to coach and, and, and really um, allow you to prepare for that, but also um, keep you accountable to, to the effort that you put into your game. So you're playing first grade. You've just won a World Cup on top of the world, no doubt. Then 2009 comes... Brett Morris and Wendell Saylor at the club, and at times you're back at the Shell Harbour Dragons, the feeder club at different periods. Yeah, I actually only played one game for Shell Harbour, but I had a few injuries that year and, and that out. Um, I played uh, Shell Harbour in – I played one, my one game for Shell Harbour was in New Zealand, actually, in Auckland. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was cool. Um, but, yeah, it was – I broke my hand and had a couple of little niggles. And I think I started ahead of Brett and then he just – Shot out of a cannon was playing for Australia. So, um, and then yeah, it was it was sitting behind Dell, and and I think the biggest thing, yeah, I played played a game in reserve grade, coming back from my hand, and then, but after that, I was I was playing all sorts of different positions, which yeah. was really that was another sort of growth and learning thing. So, um, I played, I think I played about sixteen games that year or something, but. I think I only started in about six. I probably had ten where I was, or or, or I probably started my on the wing or at fullback in six, yeah. and the rest where I played, I played started a game at the back row. I think I started two games at back row. Um, I started two games at centre. I played off the bench in front row. I played played lock a bit. Um, yeah, it was so I played centre in the semi final against Parramatta when we lost off the bench. And I played front row off the bench against Broncos when we lost. And um, 
yeah, those were – I learned how to tackle that year. I remember, you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, sitting there not really not knowing what mm. to do and learning front row and back row um, was was awesome. I, had, I remember they used to get um, – roll Mickey Payer out to prepare me for the game. It's like Mickey was coming off the bench or, or – outside of the squad, they're like, who's a big guy we can run at this little weedy wingo and teach him how to tackle? And you used to have to do repeat efforts on Mickey Payer in the, um, to prepare. And they're like, yep, yeah, sweet. You made a few tackles? Yeah, sweet. Okay, you can play first grade. Yeah, so um, another another really great learning experience. I remember I, I got picked on tour um, with Kiwis that, that, that year with, with like a like another string to my bow. And I remember selling it to them. Like, I just wanted to go to Europe, I think. I said... Oh, here we go. I know we're playing in France. Um, did you? See, I said to Kearney, I said, did you see me play off the bench? Like, I can be versatile as well, mate. I can be a great squadman. I think I only played one game and it was in France. But, um, yeah, that, those sort of um, things in your game and, and, and I think it's it, 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 taken as a compliment that um, uh, a winger who's not that big um, will be trusted to play in all different positions and, you know, that was something that that um, Wayne, Wayne's really good at, but um, I think I've managed to do that a couple of times in my career as well. We hope you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered. We're on all leading podcast apps as well as YouTube now. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. That way you won't miss a thing. Before you go, we'd love a rating and review on your current listening app. Five stars, of course. It helps us grow the brand as we look to expand Unfiltered over the next few months and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.